I almost didn't stalk the animals I killed. I didn't think I could get back off the ground. I tried to open a gate, a cattle fence when I was going out to hike up on this ridge. Like I full on went down, just collapsed and laid there on the ground for 20 minutes because I just, my back just locked up and spasmed. I'm just hurting. I just was in agonizing pain with my back every step. Two bulge discs in my lower back, L4, L4, L5 and L5S1 and L5S, L4, L5s pinching the nerve bad. I, I couldn't feel my right toe for two months after my goat hunt. Didn't, couldn't even feel it ever. And, and then just severe pain and down the back and stuff. So all of a sudden had an umbilical hernia. I wore a hernia binder. Welcome to the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast. I'm Alan Bolin, your host today, and I have got my good buddy Matt Bateman. What's up, man? How you doing, Matt? Good, Alan. How you doing today, <laughs> dude? I am doing great. I'm just like stoked to be talking to you, though. Yeah, we don't. Sure. I mean, we, we catch up, you know, every once in a while, but it's been a it's been a couple months since I've talked to you. Yeah, we got to schedule a podcast to get it done. So I know that's funny, huh? That's funny. Well, you know, when I saw, when I saw you on the list, I was like, that one's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good. Glad to to hear you state claim to to doing this one. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Well, you're, uh, you're one of the best killers I know. And, and, uh, you're, I mean, you know, we're whatever about the same age and all that. And uh, we, we hunt about the same, but I consider you you know, somebody I call for advice, you know, continually and, and bounce things around with. And so I respect you a lot. And, uh, I know last year you had a really cool season and, you know, I, I just kept seeing the pictures roll in. I knew, I knew about your British Columbia hunt because my old business partner was your guide. So that that was like, I want to hear more details. I talked to spike, but I don't know that I ever got a bunch of details from you. So, um, so you pretty, we talked beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I pawned a little bit of gear off on you. I'm like, dude, you got to take this, (laughs) but, um, that country up there is really something. Oh, spectacular, man. Honestly, you know, I've hunted, I've hunted a lot of places and just one of the, man, it's right up there. If not the neatest place I've ever been. Yeah. I mean, it's just really incredible, rugged country, just breathtaking. And, and for, yeah. you know, and, and that's always been a dream. So it, it, it couldn't have, it couldn't have gave me more. It really couldn't have. So. Yeah. It, it is unique really unique country, those coast mountains of BC, because it's right at the, um, it's right at the North South line. What's on the Pacific ocean and the mountains like just shoot up, you know, straight into the air. They're not actually that tall, but when you're starting at sea level, you know, 5,000 foot mountain, it's, it's a long climb, you know? And, you know, a lot of times we access with, you know, planes on some of the lakes and get halfway up. But, you know, if you go north of there, like I've been into a lot of that stuff in Southeast Alaska, and I've also been into like uh, some of the stone sheep country just north of there in BC. And it just gets, um, I guess, like less vegetation in some of that stuff. And, and then even like some lower mountains along the coast of Alaska there. It's like that BC stuff isn't really exact. I mean, it's similar, very similar, but it's very unique and it's just sheer ruggedness and just yeah. the, how it's covered with vegetation. You feel like you're in a rainforest, but you're like, 
on the top of a mountain. And as soon as you break out of that timber, it's just like all this thick vegetation that you're like, it's waist high. You're walking through this stuff. And then of course you get up on the Rocky ridges and it's more clear, but it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, no, it, and that surprised me how I, I thought we'd be a higher elevation than we were for the yeah. ruggedness of the country. And, and, but yeah, we could, we could see a finger of the ocean from where we were and it just jets straight up. So you probably we live at a higher elevation yeah, than you Spike hunted mountain goats at. Yeah. When Spike told me the elevation, I'm like, man, I, well, oxygen's not going to be an issue because I live at, <laughs> at 5,000 feet. So I'm good there. But That's funny. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was incredible all around uh, the whole, the whole trip. So. You, you know, the, um, that country from the air, when you're in the super cub or whatever you flew in on, isn't it insane? Like just the rivers and waterfalls and lakes and green mountains, it shooting out of the, I mean, it's, I I don't know that, you know, again, both of us have hunted a lot of places, but that country from the air is, is breathtaking. Breathtaking and, and daunting, you know, to look at how rugged it is, which, which, you know, I knew going in, but it, it, it's unbelievable country. I was, I was uh, impressed with coastal BC. That's for sure. We'll be on the, on the boat down there, you know, on the ocean channels and the hunters on the boat. Like I've had several of them say, oh, how long do you think it would take us to climb up <laughs> that, that little mountain right there? And and I always say, well, how long do you think it would take us? <laughs> and then I was like, well, I think we could probably do it in a couple hours. Like, yeah, Bro, right. That's like eight or nine hours away. If, yeah. if you are a monster, it's yeah. eight or nine hours. And that's yeah. one thing that jumped out to me. Like we, when we first landed and, and Spike kind of said, we're going to try and get up there tonight to set camp. I thought, oh, that's. That's not far. Yeah. But it's just such huge country and, and so rugged. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It kind of messes with your perception of distance and depth a little bit. And, yeah. and I learned that really quick. The, you know, the first big trek we went on after, after some billies got back at like 2 a.m. that night and, yeah. and realized if we're going to hunt over there, we're going to have to move camp. Yeah, that's it's right. Not something you can do on a daily basis. So yeah, it's huge country. It's unbelievable country, and uh, you know, I, I recommend everyone give it a go for sure. Did you guys get rained on? You know, we did not really. What? And, and, uh, and I just kinda, I've never heard that before. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> and Spike, you know, your good buddy and former business partner, Spike Lewis. He, I think he made the statement that that might be the first time ever i've been on a go hunt and have 30 plus years or whatever that we did not use our rain gear that's nuts man. Um, it was insane and uh but it had its own challenges right we it was unseasonably warm yeah those and, goats will timber up and those goats will timber up luckily yeah. we were in an area that that we could get into the, the snow and the rugged stuff those billy there was still enough billies hanging high but yeah we did not the last day of, of lugging gear out after we'd got, you know, my Billy all the way back to the lake where the plane was going to pick us up. And we had one more trip to go back up the next morning, get the rest of our gear out. Uh, it socked in and started getting a bit wet, but mm-hmm. up till that point, we hadn't even busted our rain gear out, which is unheard of up there. And, and Spike said it never happened to him in 30 years. Yeah. Of so it was, well, I, I know that you, you know, you're, you're admitting how tough the country was, but imagine those same hikes when it's pouring rain or just be soaking wet. 
And when you step on that vegetation, everything's so slow. It's so steep, right? And you're climbing up the mountain and it literally is two steps up, one step back the entire way up the mountain because you step and you slide and you step, step, slide. So, you know, it's, it's like you're battling that stuff. It's like, yeah, man, the, the boots, like being able to, you know, people talk about like mountaineering boots that, that, you know, they have mixed feelings about a, a boot that feels like a ski boot to walk in. Right. But in that country, if you don't, you can't edge through that vegetation and every step is like an ice skating rink. Now when it's dry, that's different, but when it's wet, like you have to be able to toe or kick the side of your, your the edge of your boot into that vegetation and kind of make a little step in that sharp, stiff edge of the boot will, will penetrate that and make almost like a step in the mountain. And then that, when you step down, it holds firm as if you're walking like, you know, up a ladder or something. And that supports your whole foot and leg. And, and then you add the, you know, 60 pound pack to the equation. Right. And, uh, Anyway, yeah, that's that's it's just pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, it is, and and you, you talked me into taking a little stiffer boot than I planned on, and I'm glad I did, even without the rain. Just the the ruggedness, the steepness, the the terrain. I mean, it was. I'm glad I had uh, you know a little bit stiffer boot than I had originally thought about taking with with me on that hunt. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So it, it worked out good that way. So Matt, like weeks before that, you hunted the Wasatch Front in Utah. Right. And, and you killed a, a great velvet mule deer. Uh, we, we, we should talk about that, but uh, Mike, I, I'm curious, like, I mean, you, you did those hunts back to back and both like Wasatch front hunting is really tough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of climbing. Now there's a lot of trails, but you know, you get off trail, of course, uh, once you get into the hunt, what, what, you know, how do you compare the two? Um, yeah. So the, I used the you know, jumping back a little bit, the Wasatch Front hunt was kind of going to be my, you know, obviously train and scout and, and all those things, but that was kind of going to be the, I was battling, um, even stepping back a little further, right before the hunts, I all of a sudden had an umbilical hernia oh, geez. pop up on me and stressed me out, you know, because I had this goat hunt plan, I had planned my you know, something I dreamed about forever. And all of a sudden yeah. I got this, this umbilical hernia going on and, and went to multiple doctors looking at my options. And there just wasn't enough time to, to get it repaired and get recovered to a point of going on a trip like that. So I honestly went into Utah with the intention of getting myself into some gnarly, rugged stuff, pushing myself because the last thing I wanted to do is show up in BC and have it turn into an issue. And so mm-hmm. Utah was kind of the test. I uh, wanted to okay. get out there. Yeah. I was, I was solo that my buddy that I hung with a lot, it was out of town on a, uh, on some family business. And, and so I just, I really wanted to put does, myself. Does, uh, does Kip still bow hunt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been harassing him a lot lately. He kind of he uh, kind of went gun hunter on us the last few years. Kidding. He did kill a buck on the last this year. He did kill a good like season yeah. buck and a buck yeah. out in Illinois. But so I, you were testing yourself. You're all alone up there. So, so I, I put myself. You know, there are trails and stuff. But I went I went uh, off trail and into a spot I like to go um, opening weekend. And um, you know, 
heavy pack and and intentionally carried some extra water and things just to to load myself up and see how I was going to hold up and how I was going to do and uh scaled up through some pretty gnarly stuff to get to where I wanted to be and uh really kind of actually uh, you may have seen the picture I I wore a hernia binder all through the Utah archery season and then on my goat hunt just Dang. trying to totally uncomfortable and miserable with a backpack just sucked but yeah. just a little precaution there to try and make sure nothing and all the doctors i'd seen had gone and seen you know said look you're not going to die but it might be uncomfortable it might get bigger whatever but it was it was mental it was this yeah. mental idea that i have this bulge and i'm going on these extreme hunts and that was a real battle for me and i wanted to go test myself in utah to have that mental confidence to go to bc on a 10-day trip and dive into the backcountry in the middle of nowhere and feel totally physically mm-hmm. capable because i didn't want to put myself in a bad spot i didn't want to put my guide in a bad spot so you know there was a purpose behind all of it and and just and mental, you know, the mental aspect of it's so gigantic. Uh, give me, give me the option. I will take a mentally tough person over a physically tough person all day long. Um, obviously, both are very vital, but I just think the mental aspect of bow hunting is is bigger than the physical aspect, honestly. And so that was a big deal to me. And yeah, so I bombed in a uh, day ahead of the hunt. I'd scouted and hauled in some gear and water to where I wanted to be and, and uh, had a, a deer I was trying to kill. How'd you feel? I felt pretty good. I did. I felt surprisingly good. I, I hiked in heavy and again, intentionally loaded heavier than I needed to just to test it out. I was uncomfortable with the binder that night. I, I was sore. You know, just from, I think that pat on that binder on the bulge on the hernia, I felt it, but it, you know, I kept, it's one of those things that bugs you and you're constantly checking to see if it got bigger or whatever. And it's in your head yeah. and it held up, it held up. I can deal with a little discomfort and pain. I can manage that. So yeah. I was good. So, um, and I went to hunting and, uh, long story short, I, uh, had a plan opening morning worked to perfection on the buck. I was trying to kill a really, really, really good deer. And, uh, opening morning, I had him underneath me. Actually, I thought he was going to come closer. So I waited a bit and ranged him was within range. My comfortable shooting ability drawn him once didn't feel good about it. Actually moved a little bit, decided I was going to take the shot. And, uh, was he up? He was, he was actually, from daylight he was keyed in on something down below when he just i was above him on mm. the ridge and he was up milling around but he was he was doing that that big buck frozen staring down mm-hmm. down below and and I, my wind was good i was above him got a great range like i said i drew back once and and i just it was a really steep downhill shot i had some brush in front of me and i just didn't didn't feel good about my arrow clearance so i let down actually moved got another range um got drawn double checked everything and and uh settled in took my shot i mean i I went through my process and man i crushed a a twig right in front of me that oh (laughs) so and then that's why i let down the first time i i I was not i couldn't stand up high on the skyline and i was had some stuff in I let down and moved to get a, a clear angle and came up and I 
And I checked. I actually looked at my broadhead, you know, because looking at your sight window, something closer to you, you might have a clear sight window, but but your your arrow's coming out lower. And it, so I double checked that. But I think when I when I zeroed in and kind of settled in, I had to settle down on him a little bit, and I didn't mm-hmm. recheck my broadhead clearance. Man, I just hit a twig, and my arrow went flipping down the hill, end over end, and he jumped and looked around, had no idea what happened, and trotted off. And I'm sitting there just crushed, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah just, that worked. You're in the perfect oh, spot. Man, I, just, I know that you feeling. Know, like, oh, if there was any year that I needed to just seal the deal quick, I, I don't want to yeah. go on this go. Uh, so I, w- I was pretty devastated, honestly. And I sat there and sat there and beat myself up a bit. And, uh, and then I just kind of, one thing I've learned over the years, bow hunting, there's a lot of, a lot of adversity and challenges that are going to get thrown at you. And, and man, I've messed some scenarios up. I've had things happen outside of my control. This one was totally within my control, but I screwed it up and, uh, you know, I took a minute and, and sulked over it, but then I just decided, you know what, you got to get your head back in the game, come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do now? You're not going to sit here and sulk about it all day. So I, uh, and I just came up with a plan to see if I could relocate that deer and, and which didn't happen. I had some other guys come through that basin and booger things up. And, and, uh, so I don't all day, nothing, nothing really came together. Didn't get eyes on anything. Um, got back to camp that night, went to bed, just to add a little camp myself up on this, this fine. And, and, uh, got up the next morning and nothing happened in the morning and midday. I, I was looking for that deer. I was trying to relocate right. that same buck, you know, and, and got to a, after the morning hunt, I got to a spot that I could glass up a lot of bedding areas. I know of that I knew he would be using, et cetera. And, and got on a, a spot and just started picking things apart. And I ended up spotting a couple other bucks, one of which was the one I ended up killing about noon that day. I got eyes on these two deer Watched this buck. I caught him when they were shifting beds and watched him go lay down in a pocket of stuff just totally disappeared i mean he went off by himself and laid down to where i had no visual on anything just super thick gnarly stuff that you see up on the wasatch um so i sat looked at it an area i knew i actually sat there for an hour and took some pictures through my spotting scope of the terrain where he was bedded etc and and uh there was another buck that had bedded up that was going to be the problem for me. I knew the buck I was going after was out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. He buried himself up under this nasty stuff. And, and I knew I could approach with, get across the cliffs I needed to get to and get behind, above him without him seeing me. But another buck had bedded up in a spot that was a little tough. And, and so I watched him for a while. He kind of shifted beds and got out of my sight. And uh, yeah, I just came up with a game plan. I had to work across this big shell chute. I knew I'd make some noise. but. I also have watched and watched and watched a lot of times you can get away with some natural noises, right? There's goats up there, there's rocks falling all day. And I knew I'd make a little noise going across this rock chute, but I didn't feel like I would booger these deer if I made a little noise, natural noise. So that's what I did. I stuck to my game plan, got across this rock chute about halfway through. I watched the other buck that was bedded maybe a hundred yards from the deer I was after get up and look my way. And he knelt around for a minute and he walked off. So I sat there, hunkered down, waited, watched where the other deer was bedded, never saw him move, but it worried me a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, I just 
I just proceeded with my plan, slipped around, got down to where I was totally out of sight. I went through my process, got 100 yards out, sat down, took my pack off, took a breather, assessed the situation. I just like to get to that point and really regroup mentally. Really regroup. Yep. Uh, put on my my leather um, stocking shoes, some stockings that I like to wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a good drink because I knew, you know, I've had these things turn into, it was midday still. It was warm out. Um, just kind of regrouped and, and then left everything, rechecked my wind and referenced, referenced some pictures I'd taken on my phone of, of the target angle, a, a pine tree that I'd wanted to get to. You know, I know there's a lot of ways to do it, but I like doing that. I like taking yeah. it some actual pictures and so I referenced that and and uh anyways i i started the, the slow steady process of slipping in and got to my target area and you know just going in an indian space and just really slow and and got got there and got to where i could see where this deer disappeared on me from from a totally different angle and, and obviously it looks so different so i got there and i sat down in the shade of this tree and, and i was about 60 yards out from where i thought this deer would be and got got in the shaded side of this tree and just picked it apart picked it apart nothing i could not pick out a piece of antler i could not pick up pick out a mm-hmm. piece of deer i started doubting i was in the right spot i re-referenced my picture of the rock certain rock and this and this and I, I knew i was in the right zone but i just could not get eyes on this deer and uh, i thought and how many I, times how many times do we get to that place where you are right there and we screw it up because oh, that that's one of the most common things is um he must either he's gone or I'm in the wrong spot or what your mind just starts right. going all these directions. So, and then you do something, <laughs> you do something kind of like aggressive yeah. and boom, it's over. So Yeah. That was the battle at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I sat there, I slipped a little closer looking at what I had to get through to get tighter. And I'm, I knew I was going to blow it if I did. And I was within a comfortable shooting range of where I thought he was. So then the mind games start, man, he yep. must have slipped out when that other buck left. Looking at it from over here, he could have just slipped out his backside. I would have never known, you know, just sat there. Well, it turned into a four hour standoff of me not even knowing he was there and our weight on faith. Yep. And, and, and I truly like multiple times I thought, man, I need to get aggressive. I should slip down yeah, there yeah, yeah. at some point, you know, and that, that turned into a, just a mental, mental game, um, for several hours. And I started, I, and then I, you know, I'm glass and glass and glass. And I, I see another hunter about a half mile away working up the drainage. I'm like, man, I got to do something. And, and, and I sat and thought it through and just decided, you know what? my very best option right now is to sit right where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know, wait it out. If he's there, you might kill him. If he's not there, oh, you're, well. still in, you're still in a spot where something could happen. That other hunter could bump something, whatever. So I, I finally convinced myself, you know, better you've been here, wait it out. And, uh, and it was about five o'clock. And I started to get a little nervous about the thermals changing on me and, and, you know, shadows are getting longer. And, and all of a sudden I just see an antler stand up, just a bitty piece of an antler, exactly where I'd been staring at for four hours. 
And uh, sure enough, he, he had a couple kickers, and I confirmed it was him. And there was no shot right now, but but, but it's nice was, to know where they are. He was there, yeah. and yeah. so I watched him mill around for a minute, and and I'm sitting there, and I'm knocked up, and I'm I'm ranging his antler and the trees, and and I, you know, it's I'm reading 52, 53 with the slope. I'm shooting, cutting a couple yards, and. Uh, all of a sudden, and here's, you know, I, I kept myself mentally in it. And all of a sudden it went from him just milling around to, man, he took three steps. And here's this like window at his vitals. Oh, nice. And he stopped and I wasn't quite ready to, I didn't think I was going to get a shot. Yet. Yeah. So thick, but um, I hit it one more time with my range finder, picked my pin drew back and I almost rushed it. I did. I I've been sitting there and it happened fast. And yeah, well, cause uh, he, there's a small window and you're, yeah. that's, that's another danger. It's like, yeah. I, I like, how long is he going to be there? And yeah. Is, yeah is he gonna take, if he, cause it was literally a scenario where I had a, I had about a basketball sized window to shoot through at 50 yards mm -hmm. and it lined up perfect with where I needed to hit him slightly quartered away, but literally it, if he moved six inches, I, I wasn't, yeah. it was just thick. And so I can't, if, I'm, if I make a bad shot these days, it's almost always because I'm trying to capture a moment. And because of that, I rush myself yeah. and, and it's, and it's, it's like the control you have to have. There's so, it's so hard. hard. I it's caught so myself. Hard. Yeah. I caught myself and just said, you know what? Execute a good shot. Yep. Don't, don't rush it. Don't punch it. You've sat here all day. So I slowed it down and I, I've found over the years. Yes. There's been times where, where I didn't get my shot off, but more times than not, you got more time than you thought. Thank you. That's do. right. And, and, and you know what? Like I, I got to the point too, where I'm like, you know what? I'd rather the animal, I'd rather miss the opportunity and deal with that guilt than the guilt of making yeah. the bad shot. Cause I've been, I've done both. Yeah. yeah no, we, <laughs> me too. You know? So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I settled in and I, I, I just made one of those shots. It just felt really good. Um, you know, the, the kind of things you just practice for all year long to just execute yeah. a shot. And, and I saw my arrow hurt it and he took one leap and was out of sight and just, I heard him go crashing down off the hill and, and I felt really good about it, but I couldn't, you know, Yeah, yeah. It, you never know. And so I sat there for a minute and just gathered myself and, and thought about the whole deal and that that just went down and, and took a minute and hiked back to my pack and my, my boots. And, and, uh, I tried to call Kip, didn't have good service tell him I just shot a buck and, and I was alone and I was a little bit, I was down in a hole that was going to be a, a hump getting him out of. And, but so, but I, I felt good and was confident. And anyways, I got my gear, just kind of slipped down there. I wanted to get down to, to where I'd made, where, where he was standing and, and, uh, got down there and you could see like he was tucked up under this brush that you would have never saw him from any angle yeah. anywhere on the mountain ever. Like he was in a hole that, you, you just never would have known he was even there until you blew him out. So, I, you know, that's why I couldn't get eyes on him. Um, but I walked over on point at point of impact and instantly knew I'd smoked him. I mean, it was just blood out both sides that, that, uh, telltale 
double long tight. What broadhead you hit him with? Uh, Grim Reaper Pro three blade inch and three eighths. My uh, kind of my my yep. go to. It went yep. in. It went in kind of high on his second to last rib and came out in the front of his shoulder, right on the point of his shoulder on his chest, low. So it went right over the top of the heart, caught both lungs, back of one nice. lung, middle of the other lung. Yeah, it was just steep, gnarly, big, huge boulders and nasty stuff. And he he did a, a death run crash thing about 100 yards down. down. Nice, I gave him dude. some time, just I always do. I gave him about yeah, 30 yeah. minutes. And, uh, but I was really confident in in what I saw from the blood trail, et cetera, that it wasn't going to be far. And so, yeah, I got down to him and just a neat, heavy, heavy, mature buck with a couple of kickers on one side and one on the other that he kind of busted when he crashed and big mature buck and, and, uh, not score wise, not as big as the one I screwed up the day before, but I was yeah, stoked. But, um, yeah. It's not much more fulfilling than no, backpacking that- in to country like that and like literally by yourself and killing a big mature buck with your bow. There's not much better than that. Yeah, no, it's, it's exhilarating. And, and it's one of the most, it, it's one of the most challenging things I've done. And it's also, you know, it's just one of, if not my favorite thing to do, you know, yeah. I love hunting mule deer. I grew up hunting that area my whole life and, and hunting in that terrain like that it was pretty awesome to arrow him and kill him. And, and then I'm here, you know, I get him and try to take some pictures by myself and my camera's dying <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm physically pretty, pretty drained at this point and feeling the hernia a bit, but I'm uh, riding cloud nine. So yeah, it, it took me all evening and got him quartered up and taped off and, and loaded up as much loaded up most of the meat left the head and the cape on a big rock in the shade and it would be okay that night it was cooling off pretty good i think i i took you know about two-thirds of the meat and had a pretty pretty good hike back up over the top into the next drainage to my camp and mm-hmm. and got up there and got got him up over the top got to the top and sent a couple messages out to the family and and actually called my hunting partner kip fowler and he told me he'd be there to my tent at uh, 7 a.m. the next morning, which he was. So <laughs> nice, uh, man. Yeah, me and him hiked in the next morning and got the rest of the, the deer and then were able to load the deer and all my gear and everything. Yeah, yeah. All out at once. Because if not, I would have had to, I could have done yeah. it all uh, a few million. Uh, you'd had taken two trips and that's, yeah. And yeah, I would have done two trips. And, well, Matt, didn't you want to test yourself? Come on. Yeah, I, I felt like I did a pretty good job. <laughs> You did. You did, bro. That's, that's a great story. Let me, let me ask you one question about, um, about the first shot and like, I have my own opinion on this. I'll share that too, but I'd like to get your opinion. Some people claim that mechanicals deflect more on, you know, a twig or grass or whatever it may be. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so first, this wasn't just like a blade of grass. This was a a, a good sized twig, a finger sized twig. Oh, finger sized! Wow. Okay. Sent my sent my arrow end over end. Like yeah, yeah, not yeah. Yeah, not yeah. just. But but here's my opinion on what you're saying. Right. The only scenario I will say could ring true with a mechanical is in the scenario where you maybe clip something and deploy a blade, then your accuracy is going to suffer. But in my opinion, especially 
close to you, not the animal, anything significant enough to deploy a blade or deflect a it's over. It, it's over. You hit it with a fixed blade or you're fletching yeah. or anything. It's over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was yeah. shooting, you know, it was just over 60 yards and this was a foot in front of me. There's, it didn't matter if I was shooting. No, no, in that blade. case, no, but so, generally speaking, but generally speaking, yeah. no, I, I, I don't see many scenarios that I'm not comfortable with a mechanical where I would be a fixed. I, I just don't. I, I think anything significant enough to, to affect any broadhead is probably not a good idea to shoot through. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I don't really, to me, I've never experienced a scenario where I would feel like I would have been able to shoot through that brush just fine with a fixed blade because I don't take that shot. I don't yeah, feel yeah. like I should be shooting through some brush, you know, versus a, a mechanical. So I I agree with that. I remember, um, you know, years and years ago at Jake's Archery, there used to be a three D a three D league on Wednesday nights or whatever, you know, and they'd set up trees in front of targets with some branches and stuff. And bro, I'm telling you, you cannot get a field point. Yeah. to fly through branches. No. Like, I mean, you know, if it hit the foam, you'd get like a half inch of penetration. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, you know, you know, a game ender. Yeah. As um, soon as that's arrow or fletching or any yeah. time it starts ping ponging your arrow around, it's yeah. You might get lucky, but man, it's just not a good scenario. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't buy into that. In fact, my argument is exactly what yours is, but I, I add that, well, look, a mechanical has like maybe a quarter less inch yeah. to, to hit something. It might just clear. Now you're splitting hairs, but I think either way you're splitting yeah. hairs. Yeah. yeah. You don't shoot sure. through stuff, but yeah. well, cool. That's, that's, that's uh, I wanted to get your thought on that. So dude, incredible story, incredible hunt. Um, so then you go from there, you went to BC, you felt, and, and you have, like you killed like five or six animals last year. I mean, you, you crushed it. So we probably won't make them through, through all of them, but these first two, I think are the most Epic. So we'll, we'll for sure get the, through these. So you, you get to BC with spike, how you feeling about your hernia? How you feeling about everything? Yeah. So I felt pretty confident after that muley deal, because I, I, I took some heavy loads, some hard miles and some steep country. And yes, it got painful on me, but it didn't get worse. It didn't bulge out further. I could, yeah. I could live with the wearing the binder, even though it was uncomfortable. Right. So that eased my mind a tremendous amount, being able to go get those few days, just putting in hard, heavy mountain work on yeah. that really hunt. That was a, a game changer for me mentally saying, okay, I'm going to be all right with this hernia to go to BC and do what I need to do. And so, uh, I, well, so I remember I, I talked to spike and he said that you were hurting bad. Like, so did yeah. it not go like you thought? Well, so here's, here's the, the double whammy. I got, I got out to BC and you know, that's a long haul travel, et cetera. Yeah. And got there late in the evening and, and spike picked me up and his wife picked me up from the airport and we went, went to a friend's house and, and dropped our gear and, or my gear and went out to dinner. And then we went back and, and started piecing some, some of our, uh, Spike was my guide, but we also kind of went into this as a, a couple of friends going hunting as well. Yeah. So we went back and went over food and, and, 
and started packing up our snacks and our food, daily food rations, et cetera, and, and putting all of our gear together. And the plan was we were going to get up the next day and, and drive over to to where we were flying out of on the float plane. And so we did that. I felt pretty good. I was tired, et cetera, but felt okay. And um, we got over, got to, to the float plane service and they said, man, we're ready to go. We can go in early if you guys are ready. And and uh, so we're like, heck yeah, let's, let's get going. And we, we started loading the float plane with our gear. And when we were doing that, I just felt just this little twinge in my back. Oh, wait, you're back. Yeah. So unrelated. Yeah, unre- well, related, unrelated, like favoring my hernia and I'm doing my core routine, et cetera. But oh, okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. All this thing the last several months. And, and uh, so we fly in and the whole flight in, I'm just enjoying the magnitude of the country. And, and like we talked about earlier, how incredible it is, but man, I'm just uncomfortable. I just uncomfortable in the backseat of that plane, the whole flight in. Okay, Matt, there is no person that's ever been comfortable in the backseat of a supercar. Yeah, that's true, but I'm not a big dude, but I'm talking like, <laughs> I've been on a lot of, lot of little supercars and float planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, your back's hurting, yeah. I was uncomfortable, like, man, just my back was bugging me, and, and yeah. so we land, and uh, land in this unbelievable lake, just this gorgeous blue color, just unreal. And dude, you hunted at a spot I have dreamed dude, of hunting. Unreal. I have so, dreamed of that spot, bro. Yeah, it's, it's what dreams are made of, for sure. Yeah, that, so, there's a lot of goats in there, huh? Yeah, a lot of goats. I mean, we didn't see... Yeah, we saw good numbers, but yeah. a lot of goats. But just the, the lake and the country, just unbelievable. Yeah. And I know it's a special place to spike, and it was cool all around. Um, so we land, and we unload our gear. And the whole time I am just kind of panic mode because I am hurting bad in my back. Like I can't even hardly stand up and the plane leaves. And that's just kind of that feeling like, okay, you're on your own. And we're, we got all this gear. We're going to load up with 10 days worth of stuff, which is a light because we weren't planning to hunt from the lake. The lake yeah. was just a starting point. We're gonna, we left some gear there and a, a little extra can in case of an emergency scenario, but we, we loaded our 10 days worth of stuff in our packs. And, uh, but we're laying there and I, I shot my bow a couple of times. We took a little teeny target in and I take that target. I'm trying to roll out my back. It's one of those little round, right? Oh, yeah. that's, that's your foam roll. Yeah. I'm on the beach yeah. rolling on it and I'm trying to stretch and I'm doing everything I know. I'm just hurting. And, uh, long story short, like I just was in agonizing pain with my back every step that trip. Jeez, and, dude. Uh, I just, we loaded up and Spike knew it and he could tell I was hurting and, uh, but there was nothing that was going to stop me from going. Yeah. Um, something I dreamed out about my whole life. And, and, uh, it's funny, Spike, Spike might not want me to tell this, but like after the first night, he convinced me to let him try to rub on that and, and get it back, you know, work on my back. So we're on the yeah. in BC and he's, and he's like he's, walking on your back. He's walking and elbow, <laughs> like getting his elbows yeah. in there and just, you know, I had to tip him extra for that, but we're uh, <laughs> like, that turned into a, a big deal the whole trip, just trying yeah. to manage my back. And, and, uh, but we didn't let it stop us. We, we literally did some of the hardest hiking packing I've ever done in my life to kill that goat and get him out. And, uh, it, it was an unbelievable trip and hunt and how everything went down. And 
But when I got back, I couldn't, I went on that Montana hunt, literally and it killed a deer and an antelope up in Montana. I literally collapsed a couple times with my Jeez, back, just man. went down. So I finally went in. Bro, what a year. I, I mean, you literally had like an epic, like, you know, season of a lifetime as far as results. Yeah, I almost. But you like, you suffered through the whole thing. Yeah, two bulge discs in my lower back, my L4, L4, L5, and uh, L5S1. Oh, and L5S, seriously? Yeah, and L4L5's pinching the nerve bad. I've had so was it sending, like, were you losing part of your leg feeling? Yeah, and, I couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't feel my right toe. Okay, yeah. For two months after my goat hunt, didn't yeah. even feel it ever. And, and then just severe pain and down the back and stuff. So I, it was brutal. Oh man, that's, that sucks. I, you know, when, when we got back and you know, there was, I, there was times like I kept going and trudging every day, but once I got back, I totally stoved up and, and, uh, I almost didn't stalk the animals I killed in Montana because I didn't think I could get back off the ground. And it, and it made me really focus on these dude. It made me focus on, I am not screwing this up Okay, because I can't do it again. Like I, I had crawled on this antelope for two hours and I wanted to give up crawling the entire time for two hours. Yeah. I wanted like, to like belly or hands and knees. Both. Yeah. Yeah. And he had, he had a half a dozen does with him. And so I just, it was just one of those ones that it, you know, Oh my gosh. There's nothing harder than that. Dude. That's like that. She's those. No, are, so there was multiple times nightmare. I thought, I, thought yeah. I can't do this, but then I said, you know, I'm not, I'm making this happen. Cause I don't, I can't do this all week. I can't, I can't crawl around. Wow. So I ended up, so everything from the, like how you approach the stock. Yeah. What about even the shot? Were you like extra careful on the shot? Oh yeah. Like when I got the full draw and it was a little longer shot, like your spawn stock antelopes shots could be. I just, again, I just, I was so determined not to mess it up yeah. and not rush it, not do something stupid because I, I just knew I didn't have a lot more in me physically to keep at it. Like I usually, yeah. when I on antelope, I'll go ground and pound all day, every day till it comes together. Cause right. stocking, stocking antelope on the ground is not like it's doable and I've done it a bunch and I'd love it, but it's, it's, it's frustrating because their eyesight and the terrain. Right. So but you're right. You do kind of have the mentality of like in the back of your mind, if I screw this up, I'll get another chance. With antelope all day. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, you know what? Yeah. You hunt them all day long. I mean, I've, I've literally stalked the same buck four times in a day. I find stocks all day. Yeah. Yeah. Because what are they going to do? They run a half mile or whatever. Yeah. I'll go regroup. Like I always feel yeah. like with antelope. Yeah. I, you know, it's not like a big mealy where, man, this is my crack this year. Yeah, you'll, you may it, never see him again. Yeah, ever. It's this, yeah. yeah. It's this a different mentality, but this time I, I wasn't, I was like, you know what? You're making this one happen. This yeah. is your one and only from a physical level. So, um, and then when I killed that mule, I almost didn't stalk him just cause mm -hmm. I, I tried to open a gate, a cattle fence when I was going out to hike up on this ridge and, like I full on went down, just collapsed and laid there on the ground for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> Cause I just, my back just locked up and spasms and, and I hadn't gone to the doctor yet, but yeah, it was a battle. Dude, that's insane. You, you're literally collapsed. Oh, just dropped me. I reached up and it <laughs> just dropped on the ground. And I yeah. Just I would have said, where's the truck? Yeah. And, uh, 
So well, I that's got, incredible, Matt. Was that you were hunting the the muley and the antelope in the same ground? I was, yeah. I was yeah. in Montana. Um, a lot of years I hunt whitetail there because I just never have seen that many good mule deer and in the area. And, and the whitetail have been really wiped out with the uh, blue tongue EHD yeah. stuff up there mm-hmm. in you know the eastern side of Montana. And I so I went exploring and got on, I got up on this ridge and got eyes on this buck and I thought, man, it was, it was probably the best mule deer I'd seen there in, in years. Yeah. And, uh, but again, I just, I had to mentally convince myself that he was big enough to put myself through the, mm-hmm. what might be, you know, just painful stock. And it was really cool though. I ended up shooting him in his bed at five yards. And I was super meticulous about it all. And <laughs> his bed at five yards, bro. That's incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. That's cool. like anytime I've ever tried to like peek over a ledge, and that, that just it always seems like it blows up. Like, yeah, how, how'd you manage that? Were his eyes not like were his eyes kind of hidden? No, he was he was bedded up against his cut bank, and uh, I. I did my routine once I decided I was going to go after him and, and, and one of the, you know, a lot of the stock, I was able to walk upright with where he was bad. Yeah. I wasn't half a crouch yeah. and crawl. And then when I got down to that last stretch, again, I just took an extra measure of, of caution because I knew I was my, the, the, the clock, as far as my physical ability to hunt that year felt like it was on the edge. You know, I just was hurting that bad. And I, so I, you know, when I got, got to a point where I, I thought I needed to really go from slow to snail pace and, you know, timing my movements with a little bit of wind gusts yeah. that were coming through, et cetera. And I, I won't say I got lucky, but I, I thought the approach I came in on, I was going to be 12 yards or whatever and have a little bit better angle to where he was bedded. And I kept slipping and forward and inching forward and just stopping and wind would blow a little bit and I'd inch a little bit, but finally I caught antler tip mm-hmm. and he was five yards or like seven yards at that point. Like directly over the bank. Directly yeah. over the bank. And I was looking to the right, like 10, 12 oh, yeah, yards yeah. on. And I, and I caught his, I caught the tip of one of his antlers before I could see his head. And, uh, so I froze and, and sat there and I was half crouched. And I thought, you know, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to draw and shoot this close? And uh, so I, I sat there for a minute and I thought, well, I got to get closer. To see the vitals, yeah. To see the vitals. When I come up with my bow, if I'm right here, mm-hmm. the, I'm going to see his head and not have a shot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I fully dropped into a full crouch, almost on my butt arrow knocked sitting there and just inched another couple yards closer Mm -hmm. and I could still see his antlers and one and I could see I got to a point where I could actually see his nose and his ear and one time his ear just did this radar thing right back (laughs) and I I froze I thought oh crap you know and uh, I I just paused and didn't even breathe and and he turned his ear back forward so you were like 180 degrees behind his head yeah perfect and so now of course if you're an antelope he has seen you an antelope, <laughs> he already ran they, they can but, see directly behind him i swear right. 
so I crashed out as low as I could and, and, and actually came to full draw out of sight yep. of him. And as soon as I just sat there and waited, and as soon as a gust of wind hit my face, I stood, I just slowly stood up just timing that gust of wind. Cause it was blowing a little yeah. bit steady, but then you get those gusts, you know? And as soon as I got that good gust, I just kind of slowly came up and I was almost amazed that I, I was a full draw at five yards and he wasn't even look, he was still yeah, looking yeah. away from yeah. me and uh, kind of picked my spot is almost right on top of the spine on the entry side came out, punched out. So you came up and, and you could see the vitals. I imagine and you, you kind of had to calculate that. Oh yeah. That you, you had, you had to think, okay, now I'm close enough where if I'm five foot eight, I'm going to see the vitals. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to, if I would have stood up where I first saw his antler, I would have never. Yeah. Shot. Right. Right. And, and then, you know, I, I had to figure out with the, the cut. Yeah, just just the, your instinct just told you you were close enough. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I could have easily screwed yeah. it up by, but that's a, that's a really, that's a really good approach. I I had a buck like that once and it was a long time ago, but what I did was I, I snuck up to the edge. I think, I think I came up too early is what it was. And then I tried to move closer while I was still up in that movement. I can't remember. It was, it was seriously almost 20 years ago, but that's very, like, I like what you did there. So I'll tell you something, and maybe it played into it or maybe it didn't. The day before, I I stalked in on a small buck in the same wash, about a mile higher in the wash, for fun. Okay. And to see what I could get away yeah. with. <laughs> and and literally I took some pictures of that buck with my broadhead and him laying there really? in eight yards. And I I did some movements until he busted me intentionally yeah, yeah. just to try and see what, what got me in. And I don't know that that really, no, man, I give you confidence or whatever. Yeah. But I'm a believer, man. And in, in trying to practice anything and, and give me, give you that confidence that, Hey, yeah, you can slip into eight yards or five yards. And that was a younger deer, not a big mature buck, like the one I killed, but, yeah. but that was a, younger buck but it was still dude you know what i you know what i always say to myself when i'm hunting a giant i say two eyes two ears and one nose just like anything right. else yeah, absolutely but you know those those two and a half year old deer versus a, a six-year-old yeah. deer are a little bit different but same yep. thing but i you know i just i don't know i just did it to play around and, and see what what happened what i could get away with what i could do and and but it was it was an epic year on on those kind of scenarios, but health wise, it was a mental grind. Oh, bro. Like, well, hey, are you feeling better, Matt? You know, as much. Um, I'm getting there. I I have uh, had multiple rounds of injections in my spine. Yep. Been to all kinds of you know doctors and therapy, etc., trying to avoid surgical yeah, options because they have to fuse that yeah. stuff usually. Well, yeah, or they do a, they go in and shave the disc mm. to get it off your nerve. And that's something that they've asked me to consider. But, but right now, you know, I'm getting around okay and getting ready to go on a little trip in two days uh, over to Maui to hunt access oh, here and see how it feels. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. It's been a grind the last 
six, seven yeah. months. Honestly, I had surgery. I did repair my hernia okay. six weeks ago. So got that fixed up and have, you feeling better. Yeah. That's finally feeling good. I haven't been able to do a lot physically, you know, to, to rehab my back or other things because I, you know, can't lift anything or whatever, but I'm finally back on the green light with my hernia that feels good. So just trying to take the off season to get feeling better and, and, uh, you know, hopefully go chase some more critters this fall, but, but it, it's been a, a grind on the, the physical yeah. level the last six well, you, months. You certainly sure. made the most of it, man. It's really interesting to me. I'm, I've really taken something away from our talk that because you, you know, you, you felt this like, yeah, you know, I guess you, you made it the way you made everything count. You made your stocks yeah. count. You made your opportunities count because you didn't want to have to go through the pain or didn't know if you could, I mean, how much of it can a guy take? Right. Right. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And that turned out to be like, it worked. I mean, yeah. your stock to kill yeah. ratio in 2022 may have probably been, would I, would, would you say it was your best ever? Um, yeah. I mean, it's right. Yeah. I didn't blow a stock other than the one I missed. Yeah. Jeez. I, I was a hundred percent on animals. I stock. Well, if you want to count, we, we went after my Billy once and we chose to back out mm, because not, the scenario yeah. wasn't quite yeah. right. We had eyes on, on the goat. I ended up killing at a hundred so yards and the wind was, and we decided, Hey, let's, let's not blow him out or risk it. Let's leave and kill him later. So that was a, a choice, but on stocks with the intention of going in to kill an animal, um, I hit that branch, I had a hundred percent shot opportunity and, and killed, killed them all. Um, so I guess, yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty epic that way. And I, and I was uber focused on, <laughs> um, not screwing things up because I really, I really physically, you know, knew, knew at some point that season, I couldn't, do it yeah. again. So yeah, I, I think it it does at least taught me that maybe there is a different level of I've killed a lot of animals and I feel like I'm very determined and focused and and when I'm hunting, but maybe there is another level yeah. I can take yeah. my take my my absolute focus to to make it count because I feel like I did this year because of some of these injuries and, and things I was battling and and you know, I didn't know that I had that gear and I did. Yeah, bro. You know, it speaks a lot to like the effectiveness, the effectiveness of bow hunting too. You know, that in a good patient hunter, a bow is, is extremely like you're talking a hundred percent shooting opportunity on five different Western stocks. Like that's, that's pretty awesome. Like, yeah. And one of them being an antelope with six does. One of them being a, yeah. a back, a backpack mule deer hunt in the Wasatch mountains. Those stocks are not easy. Two of them being that, um, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, congrats, man. That's thanks, man. It was a, a fun, a fun year for sure. Keep that gear, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't plan to, I, don't, I would like to get rid of the pain, yeah. but maintain the, maintain the, the extra gear of, of, uh, focus that I felt. Like almost not, I don't want to take it to an extreme, not that your life's on the line. Right. Because I think, yeah. you know, people say hungry, like people when they hunted for food, cause they were trying right. to feed their family, maybe, maybe focused 
more on making sure they didn't waste an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I found a little bit of that gear or that, that mental ability to, to zone in and say, okay, I have real reason outside of wanting to be successful and, and wanting to kill a nice animal. I have, I have a, a little bit more reason to, to really dial it in, yep. focus, execute, slow it down, whatever. And, and so it's kind of, it was kind of cool season for me to feel yeah. that and, and, and be able to improve on, you know, uh, I, I'm not arrogant whatsoever, but I felt like I was pretty darn good in those scenarios yeah. above average, yeah, yeah. but I, I was able to even step it up a little more because of what I was yeah. feeling. So well, you mentioned several different, different moments when you made the right choice where it's easy to use like these situations as an excuse to rush things. Like you backed out on a stock on your goat, you, your first mule deer, you backed out repositioned. Now the brush still became a factor, but you had the right thought, right? Then on your, the mule deer that you actually killed, you had the moment where he showed the vitals through the basketball size hole at 50 yards and you felt the urge to rush that shot. Now, most of us, and I've done this, we want to rush shots like in our, in our, our core, like instinct is to rush a shot. And then when you get an excuse to exercise on that core instinct, like, Oh, he's going to leave or I better shoot, or this is just the, the one moment and you rush that shot. But you, in all of those cases, you like step back and you made the right call. And that dude, that that's, that's pretty dang cool. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe this, uh, maybe this will be a huge, a huge breakthrough year for you. Like, um, having, having like seen yourself reach that level where, where you're making those good. And I know obviously you've been extremely successful, so you're usually making those decisions anyway, but like you said, you know, the, uh, the injuries made you take these, take each opportunity more and more seriously. It's incredible, bro. You need to write an article about that. I mean, I know you just did a podcast, but that's just a, I mean, five for five shooting opportunity is, is pretty incredible on, on, uh, on this class of animal and this type of terrain. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Congrats, Matt. Learned from it. Yeah, dude. Congrats. Um, so all that was with your RX-7? Yeah. yeah. Yep. My RX seven, man, it just been a lights out bow yep. for me. Just from the get go tuned. Great. You know, I, I packed it all over the place, beat it up a little bit, you know, but the, the, the type, type of stuff that comes along with traveling and, and backpacking, et cetera. And it's just been so solid and so consistent taking it with me. I'm in the process of setting up a new VTM, uh, which looks awesome, but with my surgery and stuff, I just haven't been able to, to get it quite there to take on yeah. this hunt this week to Hawaii. So I'm taking, uh, I got my arc seven out and start shooting some reps behind the house and just instantly. Uh, it sounds like it's pretty tested. Yeah. It just felt so good. But I, I will tell you that VTM is sick. Oh, um, I, yeah, it's, yeah, I've heard great things about it. I'm excited to get it set up and, and run some arrows through it. I just, you know, I just post surgery, I couldn't even pull a bow for five weeks. And, right, right. Yeah, no time to set it up. And so, then not time to set it up and feel feel the confidence level I feel with grabbing the RX7 that's already just proven and dialed and so solid. Yeah. So it's going to Hawaii with me. When I get back, I'll get a VTM set up. Just, but yeah, all of the it's been an incredible bow for me 
maybe my favorite ever. Nice. Maybe my favorite carbon bow ever. Yeah. It's been so awesome. So. Well, it's great, man. Well, appreciate you sharing your uh, adventures from, from last year. Um, yeah. I learned a lot. Anytime. I appreciate it, dude. So, well, let's uh, yeah, stay right. in touch, buddy. All okay. right. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, appreciate it.